for those of you who are planning ahead, the Malkin lecture, which was scheduled for the 11th of December, has been pushed back a week to the 18th of December. There's a Book Arts Press newsletter, which is about to go out, which will emphasize this. But uh, here's warning in October, so don't come a week earlier. The next lecture in this series is on Monday the 13th of November, and I guarantee that something is going to happen, but I'm not quite sure what, so I have nothing to tell you on the subject except hold the data. I'm sure I can think of something. So that's uh, Monday the 13th of November, and then Monday the 18th of December. And if I haven't got those quite right, it's the next day before or after, but it gives you the general contours. It's a pleasure tonight to have Martin Davis, who works with Lottie Hellinger at the British Library, speaking about the Incunable Short Title Catalog. Well, this is going to be a pretty mechanical talk. It's a pretty mechanical subject, what we do. This is ISTC. How many books were printed in the 15th century? Or rather, to put it in more sober language, how many discrete bibliographical entities can we show to have been printed then? And what proportion with Italian or German origin? What proportion in the vernacular languages is against Latin? How far did contemporary authors outweigh writers of previous centuries, or vice versa, in print? These are basic questions for the history of the book to which nobody knows the answers. And those that have directly concerned themselves with them, Victor Shoulder, for example, Kirk Bühler, have had to perform very great labours on very imperfect samples to extract necessarily tentative conclusions. And yet these are merely basic questions, essentially statistical in nature, no more than an anchor for more refined and interesting sorts of inquiry, which are not susceptible of numerical answers. The relation of reader to text of text to text, the relation of manuscript to print, demand and supply of trade, arrangements and necessities of patronage and so on. Once you've got to the level of the individual owner of the books, uh, the big imponderable question remains whether the books were actually read. I trust nobody here has read all the books on their shelves. Well, we have to begin somewhere and an accurate identification of the extant material is the place to start. Can you all hear me? Is it loud enough for you? No. Closer. Like that? Hmm. Just do this. Right. Well, we have to begin somewhere. An accurate identification of the extant material is the place to start. It's the skeleton of elementary bibliographical fact and reference that the incunable short title catalogue sets out to provide, but not in the passive form that was traditional with STCs until very recently. Whatever its advantages, and I don't deny there are some, the crushing limitation of the printed listing is that all principles of arrangement but one have to be neglected. In the case of the Gesamtkatalogue der Wegendrüge, you could read it right through without getting an impression of any single printer's output, or even any country's. With the catalogue of books printed in the 15th century now in the British Museum, for which read British Library, of course, you would get this very clearly. But the student of an individual author, and much more of a genre, would be hard put to it to assemble his materials, even with the aid of the various indexes supplied. Um, I'll refer, by the way, to these works as the Gazamt Catalogue and BMC throughout, unless you prefer the full 30-odd um, syllables thrown at you each time. I mention these two cornerstones of modern tunable bibliography, not in disparagement. Indeed, I think BMC, the greatest catalogue ever made, and the Gazamt Catalogue not so far behind, but to suggest how less can do more in a mechanised age. 
It's difficult to contemplate any indexer, however keen, going so far as to include an index of formats, folio, quarter, and so on. The tedium involved in compiling it would take a rapid revenge on anyone who tried to use it, and any results would be very hard to digest. Any more complex questions, such as the changing association of a particular type of text with a particular format through time and space, could not practically be attempted. It is just this sort of question, a question that inquires into the relation between two or more normally uncoordinated classes of information, that a self-indexing database is equipped to answer, and this is what ISTC does. Once freed of the constraint of single, single approach to the data, more imaginative questions can be put, and with luck, answered. Not only can you take more than two bites of the cherry, but unlike real life, all the bites can be taken simultaneously. Uh, this all sounds very well, but uh, users of this potential incunable utopia will want to be assured of two prime requirements, comprehensiveness and accuracy. Here I'll say something about the history of ISTC with the view to letting you know what can reasonably be expected of it in terms of coverage, and then how we go about forming the records and last where we hope to go, and what expectations might be entertained of the project in the future. The initial impetus to the creation of ISTC was the creation in the late 1970s of a streamlined form of mark cataloguing developed for the British Library's ESTC, which sets out to record all English printing of the 18th century. It became apparent this could be turned with little adjustment to the recording of Incunabula and might hasten the long-standing project of a union catalogue of Incunabula in Britain, the so-called British Goff, for which the British Library had taken on responsibility. It was at this stage that Lottie Hellinger decided to form a database as NATO recording the British Goff books, and as the most practical choice for mounting a large number of records in a reasonably short time, she turned to real Goff. This is Fred Goff's Incunabla in American Libraries, a third census. Once this was entered, nearly 13,000 compendious records of editions were made available at a stroke, complete with the U.S. locations. I say at a stroke, but of course it involves some millions of keystrokes process facilitated by Goff's tightly structured entries. These could be entered without the keyboarder needing a high level of bibliographic expertise, or indeed any at all. Nothing but accuracy in transcribing Goff, itself a fairly accurate book, and a practiced editorial eye in checking the subsequent proofs was required. Our record controls are still constructed around Goff's census numbers, and hence what you might call the default principle of arrangement, the order the records are presented in, if no other is specified, follows his author sequence. Large as the list in Goff was, the books thus present, present in this primitive ISTC were naturally skewed towards the interests of American collectors and institutions. The great Bibles, English incunables, early Aldines, for example and perhaps underrepresented classes of literature which the Americans and their European forebears had made no special effort to collect. A counterbalance was sought in the Italian Indice Generale degli Incunabili delle Biblioteche d'Italia, or IGI, which is the largest union catalogue after Goff. This, again with permission, was keyboarded into the computer, adding some 4,000 preponderantly Italian editions not in Goff, a good many of which, however, are to be found among the books now in Britain. With the amalgamation of these two union lists, ISTC became the largest repository of incunable records yet made, though at that time available only in-house at the BL, at the British Library. It evidently had potential beyond the British Library to approach by further conflation the ideal of a World Union short title catalogue of printing before 1501. It's this element of conflation of existing knowledge besides its deliberately condensed format and its electronic accessibility that distinguishes ISTC from the much more elaborate research-based gesamt catalogue entries on which I shall have something more to say later. At this point in 1984, with some 17,000 structured records in the file, 
The BL was persuaded to put the file online as one of its bibliographic databases available to the public, though much work remained to be done the way of harmonizing the IGI entries in particular. The next stage in adding to the utility of the file was to begin entering the books recorded in the 11 volumes of BMC, as well as the records for the English incunables in the BL destined for the last planned volume and the hitherto undescribed Hebrew incunables. There were, in addition, a good many books in the BL collections which had either not entered BMC as being duplicates or single sheets, or had recently been acquired by the library. Goff gave in his bibliography where relevant references to BL shelf marks and to BMC. But now there was a large body of material ready to hand which compilers could physically check against overlapping Goff or IGI entries, a process which naturally threw up inconsistencies and necessitated some amendments in the existing records. Against the possible imbalances imported into the file by reliance on American and Italian holdings, BMC in the books it catalogues supplied a comprehensive, of course incomplete, corpus of incunable printing, arranged on a national basis according as each European country took up the new art. The collection was of set purpose, built up in the 19th century to reflect the history of printing, and it was to a large extent supranational in its outlook, favouring only those not so many books of Caxton and his successors which is the duty of the British National Library to acquire and preserve. Comparisons in this area are not entirely fair or fruitful because of the greatly differing output of German and French printers as against those of England. But it's true that the world's largest collection of incunable copies, not editions, copies at Munich, has but one English incunable, and the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris has not many more whereas the BL has literally thousands of German books, and I estimate at least 1,300 French ones. The integration of our own collection into the database, which is still continuing with the French presses, can therefore fairly claim to give a good general survey of the whole geographical range without any special distortion beyond a higher number of English products than could be found elsewhere. And in front of the BL holdings stands BMC, whose descriptions, typographical notes and facsimiles remain indispensable to any serious study of 15th century bibliography. Even BMC was compiled by human beings, however. We don't offer a pound for every mistake found in it, but each entry shows the independent thought and close observation that make it worthy of the collection it describes and a reliable source for the boiled-down essentials to be put into the records of ISTC. Pleasant as this congratulation of predecessors is it cannot disguise 30 certain patchy areas in the BL collections. Somebody once said, is anything so dead as an old law book? It may have been a BM employee for the present BL holdings of legal texts are not proportionately nearly as strong as in some Oxford colleges, for example, which specialise in the making of lawyers. And uh, ancient university textbooks in general are not unnaturally better represented in the ancient universities than in the London collections, which were first brought together in the mid-18th century. In another field, Cambridge University Library, thanks to the special interest of its librarians in the last century, holds some hundreds of Dutch incunables not to be found in the National Library. More generally, any sizable British collection would turn up a greater or smaller number of books not in the BL, including some that Scholder used to call uniquities, unique copies which it was iniquitous not to have within the British Museum. Concurrently with working through BMC, therefore, and with a view to the eventual extraction of the British Gulf, we have been entering on the same country-by-country basis the holdings of the other large British libraries, preeminently those at Bodleian at Oxford, John Rylands at Manchester, and the UL at Cambridge. Other British collections of smaller scope have been entered on block, either from printed catalogues, accompanied by postal inquiries and exchange of photocopies and so on, if need be, or from working on cataloguing slips provided by the libraries themselves. Dennis Rhodes' useful catalogue of incunables in Oxford libraries outside the Bodleian, strangers to Oxford do 
not always realise how many Oxford College libraries there are and how rich they are. Uh, that's been entered in its entirety, and we're now recording all the smaller college holdings at Cambridge. All this work will wrap up Britain in the not-too-distant future, but ISTC's claims to eventual comprehensiveness and interim usefulness must depend on a broader base than the British Gough and the two union catalogues already incorporated. Here we've been helped by the good relations Dr. Hellinger's always had with her fellow incunabilists around the world. From 1984 onwards, two arrangements with colleagues on the European continent have notably increased ISTC's coverage. The Royal Library in The Hague allowed direct entry of all its data on all Low Countries printing, Wherever held, there was not already in the file, and full locations for such books inside and outside the Netherlands were added to existing records. A similar agreement led to the Royal Library in Brussels, sending nearly 5,000 locations for all incunables in Belgium. Work interrupted by the compiler's death in 1987, very sadly, but now within sight of completion. These contributions amounted an effective incorporation into ISTC of two large and respected union catalogues, Palin's old Belgian catalogue with its recent supplement and the 1983 volume Incunabula in Dutch libraries, in both cases with amendments by those best fitted to carry them out. Conversely, the Dutch and the Belgians have in ISTC an up-to-date online catalogue of their national holdings, which can replace their older printed catalogues and we won't need to make any substantial alteration in these areas for some time to come. We can assume, then, that with regard to locations of incunables, we're more or less comprehensive books now in Holland, Belgium, and the United States, in this last case, less rather than more, and the books held in Britain will be wholly entered within a couple of years, we hope. We've not usually entered locations in Italy which have no confirmation outside IGI, as there are certain reasons to regard many of the claimant libraries there with suspicion, and locations not vouched for by recent publications or direct knowledge are not entered in the file. We've been sent, however, complete information on large holdings in Ferrara, and the Biblioteca Nazionale at Florence is preparing for the direct import of its data on disk. Not in Italy, but inside it, we've had the good news that the finishing touches are being put to the catalogue of the considerable Vatican incunable collection, which is never part of the uh, collective undertaking of IGI. And uh, all these Vatican locations have been verified in situ and put on disk in ISTC format. And we hope to integrate them, and no doubt some entirely new records as well, in the coming year. Now... With regard to the countries of printing, IGI, Goff, and the major British catalogues between them must have conveyed the great bulk of Italian printing. Though there will be a number of stragglers which remain to be added. There always are. There's always a chance of something only being held in Leningrad or Uppsala or somewhere. With these, ultimately, it will be a matter of scouring the available catalogues of the more remote regions. All Low Countries printing, Holland and Belgium, is in the file, as I've just explained, and the English books were among the first to go in. There remain the obvious gaps of Germany, France, and the Iberian Peninsula as countries of origin, beyond what BMC, the Oxbridge Libraries, and our Union catalogues have already afforded. My impression is that Iberian incunable printing has never been much collected abroad, though I say this with some trepidation in the hometown of the Hispanic Society of America, and it seems likely the new Spanish Union catalogue and that of the National Library of Lisbon will provide most of what we need to know before a more searching trawl needs to be made. As for France, it doesn't at the moment seem profitable to work through the chaotic manuscript of the Pellachet Union catalogue, which Krauss publications reproduced in many volumes some years ago, especially as it was entirely compiled before the great dislocations which Europe experienced in this century. When the very accurate catalogues currently in progress at the French Département and the Bibliothèque Nationale are more nearly complete, 
we'll have a better foundation on which to build and a quick and up-to-date source for derivation of French records. With Germany, both as a centre of printing and as current repository of large incunable collections, there's more immediate hope of a rapid and substantial harvest. The Staatsbibliothek at Munich, as I've said, has the largest number of incunables ever assembled in one place. Various, uh, variously estimated 15 to 17, 18,000. Though owing to a large measure of duplication that followed the suppression of the monastic libraries, it actually has fewer additions than the BL. The first instalment of the catalogue of the Munich collection has appeared just this year, just a few months ago, but there's a much wider scheme and let's hope more rapid scheme afoot in Germany to develop a computerised union catalogue of all West German holdings. After some years of discussion between ISTC and the German authorities as to procedures, Deutsche Forschungsgemeinschaft has set up a team based at the Munich State Library which will act as the centre for gathering information on all incunables in the country. Now, the great majority of books there will already have entered ISTC from other sources, and obviously the use of our records would spare the Germans much unnecessary duplication of labour and scarce resources. With the aid of software developed for this purpose at the BL, the Munich team will be able to use a self-standing version of the file on microcomputers, to which in most cases they'll need to add only the West German locations, and sometimes a note of variant issues and other accidentals insofar as they vary from the editions on which ISTC is based. We have, for the time being, a relatively small sample of German locations on the file, since we've regarded as accurate guides only those catalogues that have appeared well after the tremendous dis destruction of the last war. With the coming exchange of regularly updated discs between London and Munich, we can expect a rapid expansion of the German location field in the years ahead, up to an estimated figure of some 100,000 copies. The Munich team will also, of course, create and pass on wholly new records for printed materials not already on the file, ready for instant incorporation. These new records will doubtlessly be particularly rich in areas of large German output but low survival rates, almanacs, prognostications, and things of that sort. All in all, the undertaking should give us practically complete coverage of books produced in Germany, as well as books presently housed there. As for the people who are doing the work, at the end of their recording project, they need only press the print button, selecting the essential bibliographical record plus locations Germany, and they'll have an up-to-the-minute union catalogue of West German holdings ready in a matter of hours. That shall be an up-to-the-hour union catalogue ready in a matter of hours. As with the complete file, the printout could be cheaply repeated at any useful interval as additions and corrections are made. And for their own purposes, the Germans could add as much copy-specific information as they felt to be desirable. Uh, mention of Germany and of preparation of printed catalogues preferably in a finite amount of time, brings me to the position of ISTC vis-à-vis -vis the Gazamt catalogue. Um, the scale of the enterprises is evidently very different. Uh, we've seen ourselves all along as allies rather than rivals of the exhaustive World Union catalogue now based in East Berlin. There have been regular exchanges of information between the two centres, including an annual dispatch from our side of the complete ISTC printout, and fairly constant correspondence on particular editions. The research which lies behind a Gazamt catalogue entry in the way of lengthy transcriptions, type measurements, physical descriptions, often of widely scattered copies only uncovered by patient inquiry, is beyond the scope of ISTC. This isn't to say that conflicting details in the identification description of books are not presented to us every day, nor that we do not try to settle them. But life being short and the best being the enemy of the good, so on and so forth, it is as well we do not have to make final decisions on every printer attribution or assigned date, say. Duplicates of any given field on the database can register conflicting views, 
sometimes views that conflict without their proponents being aware of it, and leave the decision to those who, once alerted to the problem, are interested enough to find a solution. We do not emulate Gazant Catalogue's genealogical, genealogical layout, which seeks to present the relationship between editions, nor do we deal in books that don't exist, that is, bibliographical ghosts and books mentioned in the older literature which are not now forthcoming, though these come under the Gazant Catalogue's brief as well. Essentially, we act as a quick finding list and concordance of the literature, in both aspects open to the instant expansion and amendment which the Gazant Catalogue's elaborate set-in-stone approach precludes. That said, the Gazant Catalogue's standing as the fundamental authority on incunable editions is acknowledged by its running number always standing right at the end of an ISTC entry's bibliographical references in the place of honour where its presence or absence can be seen at once. This applies at the moment to rather less than half the entries since ISTC is approaching 23,000 editions while the proofs of the Gazamt catalogue's forthcoming fascicle takes it up to the number 10971. After the heading Gradibus, then, ISTC, like all other incubable bibliographies, lacks the all-embracing support of the Berlin catalogue and Sad to say, the proportion of Gazamp catalogue to ISTC numbers is bound to fall ever further in the medium term. It's our great hope that the Gazamp catalogue team hasn't taken part in the recent mass escape of East Germans, or if they have, at least they've taken the manuscript with them. Uh, I've said enough, perhaps, about the way we go about gathering the data. You'll find a little more in the handout about other overseas collections we've included from direct information ranging in the last months, last couple of months from Lima, Peru, is there a Lima in the US? I expect there is, to Tokyo, Japan. Needless to say, we also make constant use of all printed lists from Hein onwards, and perceived gaps in the record are sometimes filled from modern and, so far as we can tell, accurate catalogues, such as those of Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, the Sears on the Lenin Library in Moscow. But these will all have to be systematically gutted as we get toward the end of the basic recording of the production and holdings of the major European and American countries. As I said at the beginning, the total number of incunable editions is unknown, but we reckon on a working figure of about 30,000 records to see the first register of 15th century printing accomplished. Some sort of publication will then be in order, and I'll come back to that later after I've explained what exactly goes into a record and hence what can be searched for essentially everything that goes in can be pulled out again uh, you may find it helpful here to look at the sample records given in the handout which are uh, on the back of one of the sheets they're slightly pared down for no better reason than to fit onto the page the records put together on a stripped down mark framework though ISTC dispenses with many possible mark fields which have little or no relevance for 15th century printing. We found that the simplicity of the resulting structure gives users a sufficiently flexible approach to the data without the necessity of learning a series of complex search strategies to fish out the desired information. Goff supplied the original running order, which we've generally kept to, except in a few places where new research or the weight of other bibliographies makes another heading preferable. And now our control numbers are constructed around his with digits added at either end to allow for expansion. As we are now some 10,000 editions beyond Goff's total, considerable intercalation has taken place. But the file remains at the top level as an alphabetical author sequence further divided by individual works and within each work a chronological ordering of the editions. Whether rearrangements have been made or not in Goff's order, any book in the census can be reached on ISTC by the number that Goff assigned it. The standardised date of printing is placed next, along with the single predominant language. The default language, you might say, of incunables is Latin, so the codes for Greek, Hebrew, or the vernacular in question appear in this field if the book is in some measure a Latin bilingual edition. 
An abbreviated source code tells us where the record was derived from, GOF, IGI, BMC, and so on, and the computer system itself supplies the date the record entered the file. Uh, to aid the BL's own control over its incunables, where we own one or more copy of the books, one or more copies of the books, we supply the current shelf marks in a separate field, while a subfield mentions anything notable about that copy, along with useful words not in BMC for recent acquisitions. Authors come next. Almost always is given by Goff, who went to some trouble to establish the most widely accepted forms in use in incunable bibliography. It's always seemed to the editors of ISTC that to overturn the settled language of two centuries of incunable studies in the name of the latest cataloguing shibboleth might conceivably gratify makers of cataloguing standards but would obstruct access of the very people we're setting out to help bibliographers, rare book librarians, and historians, scholars of various sorts. The important thing for a database is to give a uniform name to each single entity so that the same man or the same text, the same printer can be retrieved with as little effort as possible. Divergences in traditional nomenclature can be coped with by placing widely variant spellings or even alternate authors in a separate field devoted to notes on the author or text. Someone looking for the remedies against the plague variously attributed in the editions and catalogues to one Johannes Jacobi or Jean-Jacques May or Jasme or going to Canutus with a C or Camitus with a K should be able to arrive at the same book, whichever form is chosen. Authors who were writing in Latin, responsible for about 80% of what was printed in the 15th century, keep their Latin dress as a readily ready form of standardization. One doesn't really want to have to look beyond Hieronymus for Jerome, Girolamo, Geronimo, and other possible ways of naming the same person. The title of the work is again given in a short conventional uniform form. The conventions once more being adopted from Goff and the traditional vincunable bibliography that lies behind him. Translations given with the standardized title of the original, followed by the language of translation, and then the title of the translation, with the translator if known. Thus, a searcher wanting to know more about the Bible des Poètes can type Bible and Poet with the code for the title field, and an investigator of the spread of Ovid's Metamorphoses in France can key in Ovidius the author, metamorphoses, title, and French language. And the same record will appear on the screen of both these searches since the poet's Bible is a French adaptation of the moralized metamorphoses. Besides translators, commentators, editors, and authors of prelims, and other additional matter, will appear in the title field. For example, um, Aristoteles, Economica, and Com should pull out all the commentaries on pseudo-Aristotle's economics. As each book is given a single author heading where appropriate, writers of other works within the same covers must be sought again in the title field. Any uncertainty about where in the record an author is likely to be found, or any other element for that matter, can be dispelled by not specifying any particular field whereupon the machine displays all the fields to carry the name and the number of times it appears within each. Where the contents of an edition are especially complicated, as they are with the Apostle of Aquinas, for example, full analysis of the works it contains is given in the note field reserved for authors and texts. In general, we make an effort to give detailed and specific information on contents, though this has meant much editing of older entries, taken as they stood from sources which did not bother to do so, and much, no doubt, remains to be done in this respect. The imprint field has three subdivisions, each searchable separately, place of printing, the printer, and the date of publication. It's well known that about a third of all incunabula lack at least one of these elements, most commonly the actual printer. Names are usually assigned on the basis of the typographical researches embodied in the Gazamt catalogue BMC, with alternate suggestions where these authorities or others conflict, 
and a note of explanation in the field which deals with printing and production. Undated books can usually be placed within a range of dates, the positioning in the file sequence being set for convenience by the earliest date. A true impreciseness here is preferable to false precision, which Heinz continuator Coppinger notoriously indulged in, though it must be said that BMC itself is a little austere in simply describing books as undated when its own notes on printing types can supply limits within which they are used. Still, this is better than the apparently helpful assignation of a date, which at bottom is merely a guess. It struck me as I worked through the Parisian production of Antoine Caillon, who seldom dated his books, that those dealt with by the Gazamt catalogue showed a very heavy concentration um 1490, a date that seems to represent no more than a convenient midpoint in his career as an incunable printer. So, we tried to take a rational middle course in weighing up the evidence with notes of justification of a date signed by us if need be. Certain alleged incunables, particularly perhaps those which chance has had catalogued in the more southerly countries of Europe, are demonstrably of the 16th century. But in common with our predecessors, we keep these books in the company of the elect with appropriate warnings, since scholars and librarians working from out-of-date references may still look for them in the file. It's one of the strengths of a flexible system like this that there's no need to block off access to or from the older literature even when the views expressed there are outmoded. The views that are plainly wrong but yet remain influential can be marked as such in a note field. The number of post-incunables in our incunable catalogue amounted to 475 the last time I looked, but they can easily be separated out in searches by applying elementary date ranging. Newer than 1500 will chuck them out. Uh, the next field to be filled in the simplest the format of a book being given simply as broadside, folio, quarto, etc. would be nice to be able to specify different sizes of folio or half-sheet quartos, for example. But sources of our information very rarely do this, and it is beyond our scope to make inquiries on this point of librarians all over the world, many of whom would only recognise imperial folio if it fell upon them. It's similarly impractical at the moment to incorporate collations, collations, except very occasionally as marks which distinguish one edition from another. I should myself like to see in such information systematically added to the file one day, and sooner rather than later I should like to see some typographical indications along the lines of BMC's compendious classification. Uh, I've already said something in passing about the two-note fields, one for authors and texts and uh, one for printing and production. These are essentially fields for telling the user any other needful information which cannot easily be conveyed in the tightly structured format of the basic bibliographical entry. They may say, for example, that the author attribution given in the heading is now no longer accepted. Such and such an edition is a straight reprint of another. The variants in the colophon or text have been pointed out by so-and-so in the bibliography. One special area of attention is the recording in the production field of any woodcuts, metal cuts, so that illustrated books can be simply extracted, as they are for the Bibliothèque Nationale's project on French illustrated incunabula. The next field is perhaps the most directly useful and most used of all, being the collection of abbreviations that represent the bibliography on the edition in question. All the abbreviations in this field are found either in GOF or in the supplementary list which we supply to users. As a standard order of setting out these references for ease of visual checking, beginning with Hein, ending with Gazamt catalogue. A book in Hein is signalled by H plus the number, and similarly with his successors, Coppinger Reichling. Towards the end of the initial recording project, it will be a simple matter just to ask the machine to produce a list of H numbers, HC numbers, HCR numbers, with question marks where identification is doubtful. And the same applies in principle to all the bibliographies quoted which have running numbers, so that any gaps in any sequence can be easily spotted. 
uh, we've already produced in this way a Polanc concordance for use of the Belgian National Library. As things stand, most people seeking information on a particular incunable will have one or more reference numbers at their disposal from Hein, Goff, Gazamp Catalogue or others. Use of one or two of these numbers is in fact usually the quickest route to a known incunable. And on arrival, the searcher is directed to a collection of references on the item such as cannot easily be found elsewhere. This ability readily to conflate disparate sources of information means that ISTC has the potential to be a total concordance of incunable literature, as it already is in part. The bibliographical reference field also includes mention of any facsimiles that have been made of the edition in question. In addition to the general listings incorporated in this field, special bibliographies on particular subjects are added where relevant. A Klebs number for a scientific incunable, for example, or more specifically for medical works an Osler reference. And selecting Klebs or Osler could be a quick way of pulling out a large selection of such books. It is a weakness of the system at present that subject and genre categories can only be approached otherwise through searching key words of the title, but we hope to repair that hole soon with a field which can select by subject and period of composition. Uh, the remaining fields of record are devoted to the national holdings of Incunable, of which we have verified locations, and I've already explained how the information is gathered. The individual fields at the moment include ones for the UK, USA, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Italy, and a catch-all field for copies found outside these areas. In course of time, I expect we'll have to create one for at least France and Spain as our coverage of those countries progresses. We now occasionally place unverified locations in a new field. QL, queried locations, typically for books given a pre-war location in the Gazamt catalogue, for example which have now disappeared or wandered off elsewhere. Uh, while I'm touching on this, I may mention the complication of certain incunable catalogues. The one produced by the Lithuanians is a case in point, which lists all the books that used to be in a given place in the same sequence as books that still are, with nothing but a discrete star and a note in Lithuanian, as it may be, which explains that the copy is now in Kiev or somewhere else. Well, the price of freedom from error in these matters is constant vigilance, and we hope to be reasonably vigilant in our handling of the sources. But you'll have gathered by now that when it comes down to it, ISTC is a largely derivative enterprise, and that unsuspected errors in the sources have to pass unexamined into the bits and bytes that make up the database. Sometimes, but not I suppose often enough, the very act of conflating scattered information will bring to light impossibilities in the account given by at least one of the informants. I'll give a couple of examples from Goff's census. Goff issues a warning under the heading, heading Picus. The Gian Francesco Pico is often confused with his uncle Giovanni and then proceeds himself to confuse them at his P643 which is a Huntington Library copy of a letter from the uncle to the nephew, translated into French. The edition is an octavo in a small batard type, assigned in Goff to the printer Guy Marchand and circa 1498. And none of this looks at all odd until one encounters an edition of the same work in BMC, a quarto in large types with Marchand's device and the assigned date circa 1498. It's in the highest degree improbable that Marchand reprinted his own edition of Pico's letter at a short interval with a different number of leaves in the book, different number of lines to the page, different types and different format. And photocopies from the Huntington in fact show that their copy is the work of Jean Treperel and the early 16th century. There's another book that's booted into the 16th century. The second example is not even a clash of authorities but entirely internal to the census. Goff's entries H284 and I218 register one single book, apparently indeed a unique copy. This Historia di Leon Bruno, is a quattrocento novella, is referred on its first appearance under Historia to Krauss Catalogue 89, and on its second under Historia to Krauss Catalogue 93. 
it appears that when Goff saw the later Christ catalogue, he checked on the form proposed by the Gesamt catalogue for its future entry, which was Historia, and entered the book there without checking the earlier notice. Such pitfalls await us all. But getting out of them is a good deal easier when a machine can bring together the common elements instantaneously. In this case, the only distinction between the two, Leon Bruno's, was the purely commercial one that one sold at once and the other didn't. And we're bound to wonder how much of this sort of thing, not quite so blatant perhaps, lurks undetected in other respected bibliographies. Ultimately, the remedy for faulty cataloguing, which has been transmitted to large union projects, lies with those who hold in trust the books described, the owners and librarians who have the material to hand. (coughs) The problem with the printed third census was that no individual library in the US could tell from it what its own incunable collection was, short of going through nearly 13,000 records looking for its unique code. Now that Goff has been computerized, a few seconds will suffice to pick out the numbers of incunables held at any location in the US, and a few hours will see the records printed out. Or rather, the product will be, in most cases, what was reported to Goff as held by participating... ISTC was conceived in no narrow nationalistic spirit and it has not been seen as such beyond British shores. We're proud to have been a persistent production Belgians, and now to hold their union catalogues online, as we shall also in the case of West Germany. Closer to New York, we've supplied ISTC printouts for the Harvard collections, which, with many, many amendments and additions fed back to us by Jim Walsh, have provided the basis for the full-dress incunable catalogue whose first volume is now in the press not from Harvard University Press, I discover. Even closer, exchanges of printouts and information have taken place over the years with Rudolf Wallenbogen here at Columbia, and Princeton too has been giving us details of recent acquisitions and amendments to their Goff records. However, these, along with another of other institutions, some private collectors who've sent in records, have done little more than skim the surface of the very far-flung American collections and I've been asked to take on the task of gathering records to bring Goff up to date and then to keep it so. This isn't necessarily with the view to producing a stout volume to be termed the fourth census. Printouts of any particular library, as I've said, can be produced at any time, and the same goes for the country as a whole, indeed for the file as a whole. The great comfort of printed hard copy, or a book as we used to call it, is it's paid for once and for all and the eye can examine entries at leisure in the traditional form of research known as reading the catalogue. But the downside is the complete loss of manipulability and instant access from any angle that's the raison d'etre of an online database. At the moment, it's open to any American library to take out, a, any American individual indeed, take out a subscription to the BL's Blazeline service, which gives access to all the BL databases, including ESTC, which is the largest machine-readable historical bibliography ever undertaken, and in due course, uh, the converted BL general catalogue as well as ISTC. Screens can be read, records downloaded, and manipulated with the same ease that the compilers in London enjoy. It's a relief also to be able to announce that Arlin, Research Libraries Information Network, probably familiar to you all, has at length signed an agreement this year to mount ISTC directly in its general books file in the US. And those who do not want or need to ask searching questions which require powers of complex retrieval and combination may well prefer to do, say, basic cataloguing on that system. Looking slightly ahead, we can envisage the software developed for the Munich team being made available to other libraries whereby the file would be held on disk in a microcomputer, but otherwise behave and respond exactly as the file held on the mainframe at the BL, and could have material added directly to disks. A system of flagging new entries and amendments would enable the central file to be kept abreast of such developments abroad, just as Arlen will send tapes of new material to us on a twice-yearly basis, receive back a complete update in return. It's a form of wider publication in the longer term, 
we'd like to attach, we hope to attach ourselves to the CD-ROM discs that the BL will undoubtedly produce in ever-increasing numbers in the future to disseminate its large machine-readable catalogues. For all the effort that goes into it, ISTC is really a tiny part of the total online records of the BL. At the moment, almost 23,000 records out of nearly 9 million and the only hope for CD-ROM publication of our little corner of the bibliographical world was to hitch a lift with some larger companion, such as the BL current, current catalogue, for example. That would be a good thing to be attached to. These desks are amazingly capacious, capable of taking a file the size of ISCC hundreds of times over. But for us, and for our potential users, the great advantage is that the file can be handled again on a microcomputer with all the flexibility that the mainframe currently delivers. On the other hand, the data on the disks is fixed from the start and how regular, regularly updated versions could be made available with the present high production overheads is a matter for delicate calculation. In any event, we would hope to have a provisional issue in this form, there's no reason except financial why it shouldn't be accompanied by a printed version or set of microfiche at the same time when certain landmarks are reached for example when the BMC material is completely entered uh, and the final editing of the older records has been finished this would of course have the design and effect of stimulating a host of corrections and new entries to make the file more nearly definitive. In the longer term still, we can envisage even more far-reaching developments, such as video discs incorporating pages of books or even complete facsimiles tied to the relevant ISTC records. Some possibilities can be thought of that for practical and financial reasons are likely to remain forever in the realm of bibliographic fantasy. I suppose most professional incunabilists in the past have been prone to a sort of tunnel vision simply avoids thinking about the vast mass of later 15th century manuscripts which were read alongside their printed books and thrusts into the nether darkness those items which failed to beat the deadline of 31st December 1500. Work on the 15th century reader could be radically simplified by an integration of an STC of printing with an STC of manuscripts and work on the whole first century of printing would be immeasurably aided by an international STC of 16th century printing. And there are no doubt other developments that technology may suggest in the future which cannot now even be imagined, not by me anyway. More immediately, refinements to ISTC itself can easily encompass the, the addition of copy-specific notes though the sheer visual unwieldiness of a copy-specified entry for the Aldine Aristotle, for example, Nuremberg Chronicle, which every self-respecting library possesses, usually in multiple copies, may make that prospect less enticing. I'm sorry to say that currently the only really copy-specific data we've included relates to the BL, BL's own collection, plus notices of vellum copies, imperfect copies elsewhere, and that of the unfortunate Honold Library in Claremont, California, many of whose copies have the single word stolen appended to them. And I'm sure you can think of other enhancements which would improve the access and material information at a user's disposal. For now, the important thing is to complete the skeleton of 15th century printing by taking over accurate and substantiated records from sources all over the world in forms ranging from photocopied catalogue slips to floppy disks or computer tapes. And I very much hope that America will be at the forefront of this international effort. Thank you.